This morning, I am going to attempt to do the impossible. I have six pages of notes. I preach, well, the eternal gospel, and some of you have had to endure that. Um, but if I have a paragraph in front of me, I can go for two hours. Uh, but what happened this week is as I was studying, chunks of Scripture became, you know, sometimes it'll be a point, it'll be something very specific. This is a journey. And so there's two chunks of Scripture that I'm going to walk us through this morning um, that the Holy Spirit, I really believe that as we read through them, make a few comments along the way, that the, the theme of what the Lord is saying through these two chunks of Scripture will come out to you. And I, I believe that God wants to speak to you specifically. Um, it's one thing for me to stand up here and make a laser point and go, boom, this is it. And, uh, you know, and like surgical precision attempt to help people with things, point to what God's doing that. It's another thing for us to share the good news of what God has done and have him come alongside your life and go, let's talk about this little thing in your life today and let the Holy Spirit do that. Are you with me here? And, uh, and so we're going to have some fun today. It is going to be fun, and uh, I will do my best to end on time. Come on, you're not going for a Vikings game after this anyway, right? So we're good. All right, here we go. This is John chapter 14 and John chapter 15. These are the two chunks of Scripture. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But something takes place. It's really 14, 15, and 16. Something takes place that, uh, that, that marks... Jesus' ministry in a special way. It sets anticipation, expectation of the Holy Spirit's coming. Jesus begins to say, hey, I have to step away, but don't worry. If I go, then the Father will send the Holy Spirit. He says, you won't be an orphan. This process will not abandon you in the midst of our journey, but rather this is the beginning of our journey. That's... Jesus with us in the flesh means amazing things. I mean, we've talked about this in this pulpit before where we say, well, what if Jesus didn't step away? What if he didn't ascend? What if he remained in his earthly ministry? Wouldn't that have been effective? Couldn't we have proven to the world, yes, indeed, he is the Messiah. Let's take all of the miracles. Let's put them on social media. Let's blast it out to the world. We can, we can absolutely perfect the message of Christ if he remains If Jesus came in the, this century, what would have taken place? Why did God come to earth in an era that had no ability for news to travel? Out of all the times in history, it says that, that God, in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, that he came, in the fullness of time, in the perfection of time, he came. Why not now? 
Couldn't we have maybe made the message stronger? Couldn't we have? I wonder what's going on in that point of history that this good news takes root in its perfect form. I want to propose something to you today because my mindset, and maybe yours, especially in a social media, you know, era, if you will, a season where where taking your message and putting it out before people becomes the norm. Making yourself popular. You know, buying views on YouTube. Intentionally trying to put your name out there. In a, in a day where so many are attempting to get their voice out there, Christ comes in a day where he basically only talks to 12 dudes. Shares with the crowds, but... His voice in terms of reach is minimized. There's a reason. Because the Lord wasn't attempting to communicate with the world. He was bringing something into the world that would change everything. In this day, we preach a message. We try to trumpet a message. In that day, Jesus was ushering in his presence into the world. We speak truth and we trumpet truth, assuming that truth wins the day. In that day, it was God with us, Emmanuel. The whole point of it all is that he would be with us, not that we would know something. There's a shift in thinking I want to invite you into today that will transform the way you approach Christmas, for sure, but Christianity itself. Your life gets impacted deeply if you're willing to wrestle with this thing we're talking about today. Embrace it even. Are you ready? I don't know if you are. This is John 14, starting in verse 1. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, come on, the famous statement, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you've known me, you've known my father also. But from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, wait, Lord, show us the father then. It's enough for us. Jesus said, wait, have I been with you so long that you have not yet come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I'm in the father and the father is in me? The words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Now, I want to pause your thinking for a second. In my Father's house are many mansions. You know that statement? Right? I mean, every funeral... Every, like if we're talking about heaven, if we're talking about uh, maybe the second coming of Christ, this is a scripture we point to. If we're talking about what heaven is like, isn't this one of the things that we talk about? Oh, in heaven, my father's house had many dwelling places. 
Jesus is gone. He's a carpenter after all. He's up there building homes, little condos for you and I, right? Four bedrooms, white picket fence, 2.3 children, at least a dog, maybe a dog and a half, right? They're all up in heaven. It's the, the perfection of our earthly experience is in heaven, right? Isn't that what we think about? Okay. What if this isn't about heaven at all? What if that phrase, what if that statement right there had nothing to do with the second coming and has nothing to do with your heavenly experience? In fact, it doesn't. It's not even talking about heaven. Not talking about any of that. The things that we put on where we go, this is the destination, and after all, how do we get to heaven? Jesus, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. If you've got to believe in Jesus to get to heaven because this is the path. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. No one gets to the Father. And if, when we die, we go to the Father. Why? Because we believed in Jesus. And it's all a nice little package. It all fits together, except for it's not what he's talking about at all. Like at all. Notice what Philip says. He goes, okay, you're going away. Show us the way. Jesus goes, I'm the way. No, no, no. How do we get there? Philip's got a logical question here, especially if you misunderstand what Jesus is saying. See, this is the same frame of mind that we approach the scripture. We think of it as a destination. We go, Jesus is talking about heaven, so then we need to know how to get there. And the logical answer, or the logical question is, then Jesus, how do we get there? And then he answers and he says, me. But what if Jesus isn't talking about a destination? See, if he's not talking about a destination, if he says, in my Father's house are many dwelling places, that phrase, this statement, do you know that it also could be read maybe like this? In my Father, there are lots of places to abide with him. <laughs> See, if it's a destination, then we're going, oh yeah, then it's got to be like the whole bridegroom thing, right? Where he goes away and he builds a little condo for him and the bride and we come together. We're all going to live in a two-room shack and it's attached to dad's house, right? And we, it's... And we start framing it out like this, puns intended. But if we're not talking about heaven, if what we're talking about is connectedness, then this thing takes on a completely different journey and all of a sudden Philip's question makes sense and John 15 makes sense and... All of a sudden, scriptures that your brain automatically skipped over because they didn't really work out. You ever done that? You're just reading through the scripture and you're like, yes, amen, got it. I have no idea what that means. But yes, amen, got it. And we're like, we just move right over the ones that don't make sense. Let me read this again. Come on, look at this. Fresh eyes. Don't be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Why would they be troubled? Jesus has told him he's about to die. I'm leaving. Don't be troubled by this. They're trusting that he's the Messiah. All their hopes are pent up in connection with this man. And he's telling them he's about to die. And he's saying to them, don't be troubled by this. Don't get messed up by this. Believe in God. Believe also in me. 
Okay, again, here we go. In my Father's house. Phrase says, in my Father, there are lots of ways and places to dwell, to be abiding with him, to be connected to him. If it's not a destination, if it's a process, Jesus is saying, you have been connected to me for three and a half years. When I go away, it doesn't take away your ability to be connected to the Father. That's what he's saying. In my Father, many ways to dwell. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am preparing the way, the truth, the life, the way to connect to the Father. Not going away and building condos, but he is making the way so that you can abide and be connected to the Father. I am preparing the way, and I'm going to go, and when I come again, I'll receive you to myself. What's he mean? He's about to die, and then he will be resurrected. And what's he going to do? He's going to hand connect them to the Father. Oneness. Unity, connection, they will never be without Christ again. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's about to come. Church, this thing that we have viewed as we get saved, we live our lives, and then we go to heaven, that thing is so far short of what you are called to. Jesus made the way so that you can dwell with God in this lifetime. Heaven, dying, going away, the sweet by and by, the cloud of witnesses, everybody floating around on a, you know, a cloud with their own harps. All that's bonus. It's bonus. You're created to live now. What was lost in the very beginning with Adam and Eve is what you're living now. And Jesus came to restore that which was lost. That abundant life, that eternal life, that you can abide with the Father here and now. You don't have to wait till you die to go spend time with God, that it's available now. Now, you all know that from the Sunday school thinking, right? Church thinking. But this thing changes, this shifts when you start to see this as the main point. I'm going to prepare the way. Now, think about Thomas's question wait, how do we get there? What's Jesus' answer? I'm the way. No, no, no. How do we get to the place that you're creating? No, no, Thomas. No, no. You're going to abide with the Father now. And I am preparing the way for you. Through me, I am the way to connect to the Father. Lord, we don't know where we're going. No, I'm the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know me. If you know me, you know my Father. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip, then just show us the Father. You see what's happening here? Thomas says, I don't know how to get there. Jesus goes, no, no, no. There isn't a get there. It's not a destination. It's a journey. And you're connected to me, and what I'm about to do is going to connect you to the Father yourself. Philip, wait, wait, wait. We don't know what we're looking for. How will we know it when we see it? How will Jesus says, no, no, no. No, the Father's in me. Have I been with you so long that you don't know me? So wouldn't it be that when you recognize anything and 
what I do, when you recognize me in someone else, when you recognize my actions, when you recognize my presence, won't you recognize the Father then? Have I been with you so long that you don't know me? Jesus is saying, it's not a destination. You're not trying to get someplace. You're not trying to achieve something. There's not a calling that's out in front of you that you're trying to get to. Life is right now. You're living it. God's not bringing something extra to you. It's in, you're in it right now. There, there's not an additional calling coming. You're not waiting for, well, then maybe when the prophet comes and calls me out, maybe there's going to be a dream or God's going to tell me about something. Maybe No, no, no. All that stuff pushes it off as if it's a destination. No, no, no. Right here, right now, in Christ, you're on the journey and you are possessing it. The issue is that we're not taking hold of it because we're looking for something else. We keep looking for something else, and no, 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 you got to embrace this right now, this. You're not waiting for the right kind of marriage to come. No, you're in one right now. You should make it better. You're not waiting for the right job. No, no, you're in one right now. You should make it good. You should make it heaven on earth. We're always looking at that anticipation of what's next, what's next. We're trying to, and it's not a destination. Right now, it's about embracing now. Because God wants to be in this with you now. There's not something yet to come. When we think, when Christ says, hey, I'm going away and I'm coming again, and when I come again, I'll receive you to myself. When you say, oh, that must be the second coming, you shift everything he's trying to do in your life now, and you push it off. No. Will Christ come again? Of course he will, but when he comes again, that's not when your life starts. Your life starts now. Come on, repeat after me. Now is the time. Lord, show us the Father. Philip, don't you know me? Don't you know me? Seriously, don't you recognize me, Philip? That's what he's saying. Verse 16, I'm going to ask the Father, and he'll give you the helper. <laughs> I kind of wonder if Jesus didn't say helper right there, because clearly they were demonstrating a need for help in this moment. <laughs> like, he's like saying this plainly, but they keep trying to interpret it a different direction. And then he just finally goes, time out, listen. Father's going to send the helper, and the helper's going to understand, help you understand, all right? <laughs> like, peace. I need to step away from this conversation for a moment. The Holy Spirit will be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. Now, check this out. The world cannot receive him. Okay, the world system is unable to receive eternal life into it. You can't. You have to come out of Babylon for you to walk in life. You have to come out of the world system to walk in life. You can't remain in the world system and have the Father abide with you. He won't do it. You have to come out. What he wants to do through your life, what he wants to bring through your life, heaven on earth, cannot exist under what the world has created. It's something other. The Holy Spirit is not going to come upon and anoint the secular institution, the evil thing. It won't. It can't. Holy Spirit won't do that, but he will anoint you. He abides in you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. After a little while, 
You'll no longer see me, but then you'll see me again, because I live, you'll also live. In that day, you'll know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. In what day? In the day that the Holy Spirit manifests in you, you'll get it. In the day that you all of a sudden realize, and this is the invitation to you this morning, is that you are not waiting to be one with God, you are one with God right now. You are not waiting for something something new to come upon you. No, no, no. When you got saved, when you put your faith in Christ Jesus, when you were baptized in his name, when you were immersed into him, you are hidden in Christ. There is no other. The Holy Spirit, when he closes your life, when he comes upon you, you now have this inner witness, this reality that God is in you. And in that day, you'll know, oh, I get it, Jesus was in the Father, and the Father was in Jesus. Just like the Holy Spirit is in you, and you are in the Holy Spirit. Just like we are in the body of Christ. In that day, you'll know. And he who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and disclose myself to him. Judas, but not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are, that you are going to disclose yourself to us, but not the world? Think about this. They are expecting the Messiah to emerge. I think this is kind of how we think of the second coming. We're expecting the Messiah to emerge, and then that's how everybody gets to know. We're putting this thing off, this emerging of Christ, The disciples are looking to Jesus and they're going, wait a second, aren't you going to disclose yourself to the world so that everybody knows you're the Messiah? And Jesus is going, I don't have to do that. Why? Because when I go away, the Father will dwell in you through his spirit and you will now manifest the same thing I've been manifesting. We keep wrestling and hoping that this other will somehow change everything. When the other that changes everything happened 2,000 years ago and is now in you. You're waiting for the Messiah to show up and save your family. Mm. I love that concept, but Jesus is in you and you are in your family. And if you will allow the Father to abide in you, and you'll love and you'll have this vibrant connection with the Lord, then what happens is that the Messiah will reveal himself through you. It's this dualistic thinking. It's so weird. We separate the encounter with God from us. But you are the mobile mercy seat of God. You have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the manifestation of God's love in the world. He wants to do it through you. So how does your family get saved? You start abiding with the Lord, and the Lord, it says, will make his abode with you. You're the temple. His presence begins manifesting in you, upon you, in you. I love like deliverance moments. I, I love the encounter with God in terms of like the extra, you know? Like I, I personally actually have had an angelic encounter. And you would think that that stuff would like change your life. 
You would think that this is like, well, if I just, if that experience happened, then everything would change. Can I tell you? It doesn't. It doesn't. It's weird. Your brain just sort of goes matter of fact, like, oh, that was odd that that happened. And then you just move along with your life. We're praying that our loved ones and our family and our businesses and the world that we live in, that they would encounter Christ. But here's the deal. Don't put your hope in another coming. Instead, realize that you, him, hope of God is in you. And that there's something that's supposed to emerge out of you that reveals Christ. Amen. You got this. I'm not even needing to say this stuff to you. You guys already knew all this. If anyone loves me, he keeps my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode. Whoo, man. Anybody in here want to be the house of God? Anyone who loves me, keeps my words, will come and will manifest God with us. Every situation where you choose to demonstrate your love for Jesus, look at, let me read this verse, okay? Verse 23, I think we got it. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to make our abode with him. In other words, every situation where you choose to demonstrate your love for Jesus by choosing to love others, that is one where the heavenly mansion appears, the abode of God. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. That's a room. You just created the space where God will dwell in your life and you can abide with him in. Anytime you love Jesus and you're going to choose to love other people, you create space for God to abide with you in that moment, in that place. If you sustain it, oh my, transformation begins to take place. I'm hoping to make this accessible to you today. What's that look like? Like you're a mom. You love your kids. You love Jesus too. So why don't you intentionally love Jesus in your home? And choose to love your kids and recognize that someplace in this vibrant encounter of me loving on my kids and me loving Jesus, that there is an abode that's taking place where my kids now in our home will begin to encounter God. God dwells in this kind of exchange. This is where he shows up. Can you be purposeful with that? Yes, you can. You don't need to create 24-7 like harp and bowl people coming over to your house. You don't need a choir in your living room, right? You don't got to hire 280 musicians to make your house a house of prayer for all nations. You don't need to do that. No, no, Jesus is 24-7 in you already. All you got to do is create the abode where him and you can dwell together, and that is in love. You've got this. What happens when God shows up? What happens when God encounters hearts? He makes people alive. He causes the walls and bitterness to start to fall down. He shifts and changes everything. He removes the sting of loss, the pains of life, the disappointments of life. He shows up in the midst of that and begins to crumble all those walls. 
hearts begin to melt in his presence, he shows up. Now, look at just a few verses more. John 15, 1. Look at this. When I read this in this context, John 15, in this context, the one that we're talking right now, this passage of Scripture will rock your socks off. This passage messes up how you live your life. I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it bears more fruit. You're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. So abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as the branch and dries up, and they gather them up, and they cast them into the fire, and they're burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. My Father's glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I also love you, and abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy might be in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Now, all of that, I mean, that's a lot. If this is a destination passage, if it, just like John 14, if we approach my father's house has many rooms as if it's a destination, we're going to all go there. We're going to heaven someday. Jesus built some condos for us. If we approach it as a destination, then when you start hearing language like this, there's a branch and it refuses to bear fruit. And it dries up and is pruned away and then is cast into the fire. What do you start thinking if this is about destination? You're starting to think about hell. You're starting to think about judgment. You're thinking about all these things that it has nothing to do with. Can I phrase this just differently? That just like, oh man, I love life. This is amazing. Like it takes all the load off of you. Well, look at this. Jesus is the vine. The Father is looking for opportunities to abide with you. That's the branches. If an opportunity comes where you could have chosen love and you could have loved Jesus in the midst of that, you could have walked with him open-hearted and God manifests in you and something comes of it, in that opportunity, fruit is born and God will be in it and he will abide with you in it. But in the opportunities, you're like, forget it. I'm not going to love. I don't care. I'm going to choose unforgiveness. I'm going to choose to do my own thing. I'm going I'm to do my thing. That was an opportunity. That was a heavenly mansion that could have been a place where you and God hung out. But instead, there's no life in it. What happens then? It dries up and the father goes, all right, we're not visiting this again. We're just going to go ahead and remove that thing. Why? So that you don't have judgment on your life for unused opportunities. He just snips it off, moves it away, and then it's burned up. Burned up by what? The holy fire of revival. The same thing that lights you up is lighting those dead opportunities up. As far as the east is from the west, he just removes all that condemnation from you. It's not on your life anymore. You're clean because of the word he spoke. Do you know what that means? This means that every day, 
I get to love Jesus and love people. And like, it's that simple. I don't have to try to like figure out, like when you start thinking about your journey in life as if uh, it's a destination that you have to achieve, and you start thinking about like a vision for my life and I have to accomplish these things, and, and you start stacking up all that weightiness on your life, man, that's heavy. Like, when you find out that, yeah, that's all nice, but God's not in any of that. In fact, God wants to abide with you right now in the midst of your journey. He loves you so much. He wants you to experience life, connectedness, where the Father in heaven will show up in the simplest of circumstances. That every branch Every opportunity that you have to demonstrate love and hang out with Christ, every opportunity, it's that, it's that tough relationship at work. That guy that drives you nuts. You got one of them? Everybody's got one of them, except at the church. I don't have any of them. There's a, it's probably me, actually. If, if you can't see somebody, it's probably you, right? I, everybody's got something like this, a relationship, a neighbor who's, oh, man, it's so difficult. I don't know. It's... You know what that is? That's an opportunity where a father wants to show up and bear fruit. Do you have any situations in your life where hell has manifested? Loss, death, destruction, evil? You have any, you have any situations in life where, where the kingdom of darkness, where the world system has taken root, and you can see that, wow, this thing needs heavens on it. Something like it, it needs to be touched by heaven. The works of the devil need to be destroyed. You have a situation like that? What if you chose? What if you chose to abide there? Then what happens? It it says it so clearly that if you will abide, he will make his abode with you. If you'll choose love, he will come and bear fruit through you. So how do you undo the works of the devil in your family? You refuse to let go. You show up open-hearted and loving, and you're going to choose to care. It doesn't matter what hell throws at you. You're showing up open-hearted and connected to the Father and connected to people. And what's going to take place? Fruit is going to begin to bore. It might take years. But can I tell you, it takes a lot of energy to resist kindness. Nobody's that strong. Man, if you love on people and love on people and love... One person, just think of the person that just rubs you the wrong way. They don't like you. You don't like them, okay? And then you just started loving them one day. I like you. I love you. I'm going to do good to you. And you just... Can I tell you that that becomes fun after a while? But resisting someone that's kind to you all the time and trying to keep up the anger on the inside, man, that's hard. Love always wins. You will undo the works of the devil by showing up open-hearted and loving. You will undo all the works of the devil. But if you refuse, you could be there in body with a heart closed and nothing good will come of it. So it's not about you being a part of it. It's about you being there with your heart open and connected to the Lord. And oh boy. Anything is possible. Are you alive this morning? You got a kid who's walked away from the Lord? Awesome. 
Do you know that you can love them right back to the Lord? That's what happened in my own life. I hated God. I hated people, hated authority. I was filled with anger. And I had a mom and dad who loved me. My mom just kept pressing in and praying for me, and every time she was around me, she was so kind. She just overwhelmed me with kindness, and eventually, my walls wore thin, and it became an effort to try to fight against, fine, I love you too, you know, like, (laughs) that thing wore me out, and as a result, my walls came crumbling down, and the Lord met me in that place, and revival hit my heart. That will happen to anyone, any situation. You need a business that's filled with hardened people and you're there? Man, all you got to do is show up connected to the Lord. Just follow his lead in that place. Stay present. Love on people. And you'll watch as God transforms that place. You don't have to run away from the hard encounter. You don't have to run away from the thing that feels difficult. What if God put you there to reverse it? So, you know, there's stories of missionaries. It's the way it used to work in missions. You can't just jump on it. Like, in the, the, think about this. Prior to the 1800s, you're not just jumping on an airplane and coming home. If you go to the mission field, you, you go to one of these far-off nations. Missionaries used to pack all of their stuff in coffins when they went to the mission field. So the way we visit it today, we think about it like it's a destination. Oh, I'm going to be there. We, we even think about the return date. We ask each other, hey, oh, you're going on a mission trip? When are you going to get back? But the way that missions worked originally was that you were going without a return date because you're going to abide. You were choosing to plant yourself in that place with that people until fruit is born. There's no going back. Burn the ships. We're here. Sometimes it's possible that you pour yourself out into a relationship and you love and you care and it's never reciprocated in your lifetime. Yep, it's very possible, but can I tell you that there's no such thing as sowing like that love and having it return void. No, no. It might take a generation, but God will do his thing. Heaven will be born. Part of this is just literally the choice to embrace the life that you're in. If you want to bear fruit for heaven, if you want to see God move through your life, you have to choose it. You go, man, I'm here. I'm going to remain. I'm going to abide. I'm going to choose God in this situation. It doesn't matter what kind of hellfire comes at me because I know if I stay the course, God will birth in me. He'll abide with me, and next thing you know, fruit will be coming. And the Lord will redeem the whole thing. But that's the long view. That's not short. That's not the two-week missions trip. This is the, I packed all my stuff in a coffin and moved to the foreign land. But that, my friends, that's what the Lord's inviting you to in your life. Embrace the life you have right now. Show up in it. It's, we abide We abide in our connection with the Lord. Pick any situation. doesn't matter what it is. If you do these three things, the thing will turn. Any relationship, it could be a horrible marriage, it could be a rebellious child, 
It could be a workplace that needs to be redeemed. It doesn't matter what it is. If you do these three things, the thing will turn eventually. First, you're connecting with Jesus. You've got to stay connected to him in the midst of it. Because he'll instruct you. He'll tell you what to do. He'll give you promptings. This thing has to stay alive. You can't harden your heart towards the Lord and then remain in it and expect heaven to come. Nope, heaven's going to birth through you, but you've got to stay alive in it towards the Lord. That means when the Lord says, forgive them, you can't say no. When the Lord tells you to be obedient and you go, I don't want to, this is not moving in the right direction. Right? That connection with him, that's number one. Number two, proximity. You have to choose to remain you got to put roots down. You can't pull up an apple tree six years in and expect fruit on the seventh year. It's got to stay rooted. There's a maturing process in any relationship, in any situation, but you got to buy in and remain. And if you will, open-hearted towards God, fruit will be born. You will be a part of turning that thing around, but you got to choose to be there. got to choose to remain in that relationship. I know your marriage is rough now, but I can promise you, if you'll do this, if you divorce them, what are we doing? What are we talking about? You've already made that choice. You've moved on. Whatever. That, this isn't, this, you're no longer in this process. But if you'll choose, if you want to redeem that thing, then you've got to put your anchor back in. Divorce is off the table. You're not discussing it on the weekends and then trying to do something else on the weekdays. No, no. You're in. If you're in, you're in. Buy in, choose, remain. Open-hearted towards God, put your roots down, no matter what comes. And then the third thing is, choose to love. If you love, it will wear down the enemy's defenses. If you love, you will overcome any evil with good. If you love, you won't be choosing yourself, you'll be choosing them. It won't be just. You're going to experience injustice. This is what love does. You're going to love, and it doesn't matter what happens to you. You're going to choose love. But if you do those things, even the worst, even the worst place where Evil has had its way. Even the worst place can be transformed by somebody who does these things. Because God will abide with you and life will result. So I'm pretty sure there's hope for your family. Amen? All right, there's four more pages of notes, but we're going to go ahead and skip those. Would you jump to your feet today? <laughs> Sheesh. What was I thinking? Jesus came to make the way available for you and the Father to abide. Not just the path to heaven when you die, but the path for heaven to be manifested through your life now. Eternal life now. I don't know what you're facing this morning, but I can tell you that if you'll do it with the Lord, if you'll choose this, he'll transform your circumstance. It's not the easy path. There's no, there's no earthly applause for it. 
Oh, you stuck with that loser. Yay. Oh, but what if, what if, you re, what if God uses you to redeem it? What if everything turns around? What if, what if it all changes because you stayed, because you made the choice to love? Even though it cost you, you remained. What if the business choice, because that workplace right now, maybe it's working, maybe the thing is actually succeeding because you're there. And you know that it's because you're there. And if you pull out, then the whole thing falls apart. Maybe the loving choice is not to seek your own. To try to find your next opportunity. Maybe there's something bigger at play. Maybe there's more to life than just you getting yours. Come on, are you alive today? This sure feels like heaven. This sure feels like God. This is how the Father loves Father loves us so much. He's in it with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Holy Spirit of God, I thank you that you're here today. That the pathway to abiding with you, that in that day that we receive the Holy Spirit, we'll know that we're in the Father and the Father's in us. We'll know that we're united with Christ. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come upon people today. Holy Spirit, would you come upon your people today? Lord, come and have your way today. Lord, I pray that you would fan into flame this reality. Eternity would be etched in our hearts. That you abide with us. That you want to be near us and with us and in us. God, I thank you that every life here has the potential of bringing transformation to the world. Every life. I thank you, God, that there is no such thing as a hopeless situation. Come on, do you have something that you're, you, wow, it's, it's kind of hopeless. It's, it's really difficult. You don't know how it'll turn. You got something like that? How about right now, in your own heart, in this place, you bring it before Jesus right now. Okay, I want you to bring it before you. An impossible situation. Maybe you got a diagnosis. Maybe you got a friend or a family member that refuses to come back to the Lord. Maybe you got burned bridges. Maybe there's difficulty in your life right now. Maybe you're facing something. Whatever that is, will you bring it before Jesus right now? Jesus, here we are. We bring this before you. It's a branch. It's an opportunity where fruit could be born. You want to encounter us here, Lord. Would you let this come out of your own mouth right now? Jesus, you want, to, you want to abide with me in this. Come on, just say that. You want to abide with me in my process, in this situation. You want to be there. I invite you into this situation, Lord. I invite you into it. Holy Spirit, Is there any place in our hearts when it comes to this situation that we've said no to you, that you've asked us to do something, there's an obedience factor there, and we've resisted? Holy Spirit, would you just show that to us right now so that we can can turn our hearts? Is there any place, Lord, that's constricted life? Thank you, Lord. If it's not clear, 
then leave it alone. But if it's clear, the Lord would have spoken something to you there. Like, ah, you got to go make it right with that person or something clear. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we want you to abide with us. We're making room for you. We're choosing today to be obedient to your promptings. We're keeping our heart open, our heart alive. We're choosing love. Come on, would you just declare that over yourself? I choose love. I choose you, Jesus. And I am choosing to remain. Father, will you come and will you abide and produce the fruit of eternity in each and every one of these situations? Impossible things are going to be turned around. Great evils are going to be reversed. Darkness and brokenness in people's lives are going to be healed. All because... Lord, you are going to abide with us. I thank you for that. Now, Lord, I bless your people today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that over the holidays, it would be one event after the next displaying your goodness in people's lives. And God, that our families would know your presence and our families would experience, Lord, your goodness. You would abide with us in the midst of us, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this church. The same would happen here in this community, Lord thank you for these things, Father. We commit these things to you right now. I bless you, church. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's favor rest upon your life and he be gracious to you and grant you his peace. And everyone who dared to agree with that said, amen, amen. Come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord this morning?